Um, so we've been having a series since Christmas called Everyday Eternity. How living by the Spirit brings the eternal into our everyday worlds. And on previous occasions, we've looked at the fact that we are born of the Spirit and that we are baptised in the Spirit. We've recognised and looked at the fact that it's a spirit of sonship that we've received. And we've looked at the importance of that we should go on being filled by the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want to look at the fruit of the Spirit. If you've been a Christian for any kind of time at all, you've probably heard this expression about the fruit of the Spirit. And in connection with that, we're going to look at how the choices we make in our daily lives and the practices that we adopt help us to grow in that fruit, in the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, first question. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, if you've been around for any kind of time at all, you've probably got a little song going through your head about the fruit of the Spirit and what it is, which is, you know, it does get all nine down pretty well. But we'll put the scripture up on the screen so that we can look at it together. And so we're reading from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to dip in at verse 22. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. This is the English Standard Version. It says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says, Against such things, there is no law. We'll come back to that later. But the fruit of the Spirit, these amazing qualities, love, joy, peace, patience. You'll be ticking these off, obviously, as Christians. People full of the Holy Spirit will be thinking, yes, <laughs> gentleness, that's me. Patience, oh, yes, yes. That's, in the first few days of being a Christian, that kicked in. Uh, at least I wish it had done. Um, <laughs> self-control, though. Self-control, yes, I've got that one nailed. Uh, sorry, uh, especially if you're not English and you don't do sarcasm or if that's the right word. Um, I'm being like, no, ironic. Irony, it's irony, I think. I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, highlight the fact that this is not something that happens automatically, at least not in my experience. And even if I claimed it did, my wife, children and grandchildren would all very quickly tell you, oh no, <laughs> it did not. thing is this, though. If it's fruit of the Spirit, what is my role? If it's the Spirit that's going to produce this fruit in my life, what is my role? Because clearly, I think we probably all agree, it's not something that just automatically kicks in. Well, let's look at the context of these verses. We're actually back up a bit to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. So the same chapter, same book of the Bible, but we'll actually start this time from verse 16 and put it into context. The trouble is, wherever you start, there's still a bigger context. So he's starting this with but, because it's referring to something before. So we'll just say, I say, and this is Paul saying this, and he's writing to the church in Galatia. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, that's wearing me down, (laughs) envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So it gives you a little bit more of a context now. It seems that actually there are things we need to be aware of which actually work against the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And there are things that we need to do. We can't make this fruit appear in our lives, but we can create the conditions for that fruit to appear. The first thing that really strikes me is in the very first and the last verses of that passage. In verse 16, it said that we should walk by the Spirit. And in the last of those verses, in verse 25, it tells again, well, in the ESV, it says, let us walk by the Spirit. In some translations, it says, keep in step with the Spirit. I like that. I like that idea. We walk with and we keep in step with. And for me, that talks about relationship. Because if I'm walking with somebody, and in my mind I'm picturing walking side by side with another person, to me that's somebody that I'm in relationship with or I'm building a relationship with them. Yesterday, um, Mark, that's my son, he's over here. You recognise him because of the hair. Um, (laughs) It's very alike in that respect. Sorry. Sorry, I meant the beard. I meant this, this hair. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Your beard is better than mine, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I couldn't resist that and I will be in trouble. I used to do that when the children were children and I'm still doing it when he's an adult and uh, he'll probably get his hand back one day. Yesterday, my son over here and I went for a walk. Um, we walked on the moors up to a place called Snailsden Pike, which is above Windscar Reservoir. You've done for bridge, those of you who know the local area. Um, I can imagine that on a lovely spring day, when there is no wind blowing, that it would be quite a pleasant (laughs) stroll almost. Um, Suffice to say that yesterday, the wind was blowing. Um, uh, We were walking due west to begin with, and the wind was blowing from the west. So not only were we walking uphill over difficult terrain, because we were on footpaths a lot of the time, it's just access land, so it's the heather and the bogs and stuff, we were walking into a very strong wind. Suffice to say, at that stage of the walk, there was no conversation, and there was very little walking together. In fact, most of the time he was about 100 yards ahead of me, because uh, he's young and fit and strong and... Uh, I'm trying to make up for it, Mark. I'm trying to make up for it. There was no conversation. There was no relationship. 
we need to be walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And the, the next thing I notice from this is that Paul is talking about the pull or the desires of the flesh. Now, when he's talking about the flesh, I always find it kind of a weird word in there. He just means stuff that's not heavenly. He's talking about our earthly being. So it, it does relate to the body, but it's more than that. It's our way of living outside of God. In here, he's talking about the ways of the flesh. And we notice that these ways of the flesh are pulling against our spiritual desires. When I was walking with Mark yesterday, the wind and the terrain were most definitely against me. The wind wanted to push me back, and the terrain, the heather, the peat, the bogs, the streams, we had to keep working our way around, wanted to trip me up. Well, what should we do about that? Can we just ignore them because the Holy Spirit is in me now, so I'm like inoculated against these things? I'm afraid not. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. So this time we're looking in the letter to the Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. You see, Paul, it seems, likes to give these lists of negative things in quite a few different places. Colossians 3 verse 5, this is what we have to do. We have to put to death, therefore, what is earthly or of the flesh in you. And then again, he starts off with a list of stuff. And then if you jump forward just three verses to Colossians 5, verse 8, it says, but now you must put them all away. And again, we get another list of negative stuff. So we have to put stuff to death. We have to put things away. Why? Why, if the Holy Spirit's going to produce this fruit in me, do I have to do this stuff? Well, we are walking with the Spirit. We're keeping in step with the Spirit. We're building a relationship with the Spirit. And these things work against the Holy Spirit. They work against the production of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. If we go back to Galatians 5, and this time just look at verse 17... We've read it already. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So it doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are and you are spiritual. You are spiritual. The Holy Spirit lives within, within you. You still have things that you have to do. We have to cultivate this relationship with him and walk in step with him. What else can we learn from this passage? Well, I realise that it's not about keeping the rules. The next verse, uh, Galatians 5.18, says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And I often think that's a weird thing to lob in, to this particular passage it feels a bit kind of random but if you read the whole of Galatians you understand why he's saying this because the Galatians were moving towards thinking they had to observe many parts of the Old Testament law the Torah they were being pressurized if you like by Jewish believers 
to actually adopt some of those legalistic practices. And that's why Paul is just kind of reminding them in this letter, you're not under the law. It's not about do this and you'll be okay. Because you could say, well, if I stop sinning, if I stop doing all these negative things, that's how I produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. No, it's not some sort of legal thing. You need to move away from those things because they're doing you no good. And they work against the work of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that produces these things in your life. We are people of the Holy Spirit. If it was just about me putting off bad practices, then basically that would simply be legalism. Trying to get right with God by doing the right things. I want to do the right things because God has already reached out to me and done so much. Well, he's done everything I couldn't do. And as a result, I want to please him. That's why I do the stuff that I seek to do. Not to get right with him. I'm already right with him because I want to please him. And I know that this bad behavior is not going to do me any good. Putting off the works of the flesh, these things, is again one of the ways I keep in step with the spirit. I kind of like to think of it as making space in my life by getting rid of that stuff making space in my life so that the Holy Spirit can do his stuff. What else can we learn from this passage? Well, I notice it talks about being crucified. If we jump to verse 24, so this is still Galatians 5, and verse 24, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, it's something he's kind of lobbing in. But he's made reference to this earlier in the letter. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter 2 this time. So if you're in your Bible, turn it back a couple of pages to Galatians chapter 2. And this time verse 20. This is a wonderful verse. It really sums up so much of what God has done for us. I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, if you're going to take a Bible verse and meditate on it for a while, that would be a really, really good one. It's just amazing. It, it recognises that I still live in this body of the flesh, not just you know, flesh and bones, but... You know, the world that I live in and the context that I live in. But he makes it clear that it's not about the, my self-effort. It's about what God has done. His love has motivated himself so much that he came as a man and died on a cross, was crucified and was put to death and, was, and then rose again to life. And in the same way, when we give our lives to Christ, when we identify with him, it's like we are also crucified something about us dies the old me died spiritually speaking and the new me came alive I've still got the same body I have to wait like Jeffrey to get a new body but something amazing changed inside and when we're looking at all of this we're thinking how on earth when I've made so many mistakes and I've slipped up so many times trying to do the right things how on earth can I succeed well part of it is to understand that it's 
Christ in you, the work of the Holy Spirit in you that helps you to succeed. Lean onto him. Lean into him. Draw on him. Ask him for help. It's, just, it's like pushing on an open door. It's like when the prodigal son returned home, the father ran to greet him. That's what it's like. Whenever you make the tiniest move to God, towards God, he's there. He's, he's there waiting. He's ready to embrace you, to help you, to lift you up. He is so wonderful. I don't know about you, but when I think about the fact that I've been crucified with Christ, and I know it does take a lot to work your mind around what it actually mean, I find it one of the most encouraging things. And in this passage, where you could start to think, oh my goodness, there's so much I need to do, I draw great encouragement and hope from knowing that I've been crucified with Christ. I am not the person I once was, and I'm still changing. (laughs) I'm still becoming more like Christ. And the last thing I just want to draw out from this passage is just the whole idea of fruit. I haven't got any pork pies for you this morning, I'm sorry, Um, or any other treats that the youth clearly have. Um, But I'm going to talk about fruit, which for some of you might be very disappointing. But um, Sorry about that. So if we just go back to Galatians 5, the verses 22 and the first part of verse 23. And I apologise for reading this again. This is the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now can I just point out to you, it's fruit. It's not fruits. It's fruit. All of these are aspect of the same fruit. Paul is just trying to find nine words to describe this amazing fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. It's not a checklist for you to go through and think, oh yeah, uh, self-control, no problem, still got to work at my patience. That's not what it's about. It's just that these things become evident in our lives when the Holy Spirit gets his way, really, in us. And it contrasts with the works of the flesh, which were plural and many. I mean, Paul puts a long list, but believe me, in other places he, he finds some other things to add in. There's so many things that we do of ourselves that don't help us, and yet the Spirit wants to produce this amazing fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's amazing that one of the fruits of the Spirit is that I can control myself, my flesh. I can, the Holy Spirit actually will help me to do all these things, that putting off the, these things and, and living well. This is wonderful fruit, and, well, that's because it's heavenly fruit. Well, I know the Holy Spirit's going to produce this in my life, and he will, but I want to help. I want to help. Granny, can I help you? <laughs> Granddad, can I help you? This is, sorry, this is my grandchildren. It doesn't happen as often as I'd like, but sometimes that's what they want to say. So I like to think about just growing fruit in the garden. I don't just mean apples and pears, it could be runner beans or flowers or anything, just producing something in my garden and thinking, how can I help rather than hinder? Because if you've had any garden experience at all, you'll know that you can either hinder what goes in your garden, on your garden, or you can help. You can neglect or you can nurture. And we know what good horticultural practices, things like, um, I'm saying we, because um, you've all got gardening experience, I'm sure, weeding, feeding, pruning, 
protecting, you know, protecting against pests and, uh, or diseases. Many things you can do to help the fruit grow in your garden. But even with all of that, do you know that you cannot actually make the fruit grow? You can do lots of things. You can create a really great uh, uh, environment for the fruit to grow, but you cannot make it grow. You are still dependent on the sun. You're dependent on things like, if I remember my school biology right, photosynthesis. And there's probably lots of other technical things that are going on as well. Um, Good genetics in the plant, things that I have no control over whatsoever, I'm still dependent on those things happening. And the same is true in the spirit. We can hinder or we can help. We can neglect or we can nurture. We have those choices that we can make. We know what spiritual practices are. I think most of us get some idea things like praying, spending time with God. Dan just mentioned the 24-7 app. If you've not got anything on the go at the moment, uh, maybe that's a good thing to pick up and, and to engage with. And not just praying alone, praying with others. I love it when we pray in our, our family hub and just pray for each other. These are spiritual practices. Reading the word, we're looking at the word together this morning, but in our own times, to get into the word and allow it to, to feed us. Worship, spending time in worship. So, thank you, Paul, for the songs you chose this morning. Just some of those the words in some of those songs are just does something for me in my spirit as I lift my voice to sing. It's not just the noise I'm making, it's the words that I'm singing that really help me to engage with God. And it's lovely to do it with you people in the room together. Giving your money or your time, serving. These are all spiritual practices. Maybe things like fasting or going on a treat. A a treat? That'd be nice. A retreat. That's what I meant to say. Spending time with other, other Christians. All these things help. But it's the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit in our lives. Do you understand what I'm trying to say this morning? This fruit of the Spirit is something that God will produce in your life. He will, because you are people of the Spirit if you're a Christian and you walk with him. All we kind of have to do is almost get out of the way sometimes, (laughs) by which I mean avoid doing things that are going to hinder him. And you might think, well, I'm not doing anything particularly naughty, or bad. That list of things was oh terrible stuff. I'm not doing any of that. Well, maybe not, but we can also neglect. If you neglect your garden, stuff will still grow in it. Mostly weeds. And if you neglect your garden, you may still get some flowers, actually. You might still get the odd apple on the tree because the sun is still doing its stuff and everything. Biology is still working. But when we cooperate with the garden, or when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, we see so much more happening. When I was just looking over my notes this morning, for some reason, I just felt prompted to bring this. It just looks like a long handle, doesn't it? But there is a hoe at the other end, for those of you at the back. This is my hoe. 
Actually, Sonia would laugh if I said it's my hoe. Um, <laughs> we, we share our gardening tools. Yeah. This is one of the lower tech gardening tools that we have. Obviously, most things are computer controlled these days, but um, I'm joking, obviously. But this is, this is your friend. This is your friend. Have you noticed that things already started to grow in your garden? If you've got a garden, if you haven't got a garden, if you just go in the parks or anywhere, look around, side of the road, that stuff. Stuff is starting to grow already. They're quite small, most of it, quite small. Um, and some of the things that I see growing in the garden, I'm really excited about, like uh, the rhubarb is just starting to poke its head up, just, just starting. And um, bulbs, snowdrops are a flower already, wonderful, but I can see the daffodils are on their way. And if you look closely, the buds are already forming on the trees. In fact, you've probably seen those in December if you looked, but they're starting to swell. But I've noticed there are some other plants growing in my garden. They're tiny, tiny, honestly. I think I can probably just ignore them and they'll go away. No, it's when you need one of these. Oh, they're amazing. Low tech, probably not that expensive at the gardening shop. Garden center, that's what we call them, isn't it? Garden center. But if you go around your garden now, as long as you know which the weeds are, obviously, you might need a little bit of discernment or help. If you go around with your home now, honestly, they can't grow into big weeds. No, they can't take over. Is the spiritual lesson really obvious? Yes, yes, I hope the spiritual lesson. There's, there's a, um, a scripture in the Song of Solomon that talks about catching the little foxes uh, before the foxes spoil the vineyard. In other words... Deal with stuff when it's small. It's so much easier. Yeah, it's so much easier. Um, yeah. You can have a go with my hoe later if you want. <laughs> Thing is, you have to come to my garden to do it. <laughs> if we are lazy or half-hearted gardeners, plants will still grow in our garden. Some of the good stuff will grow but it will never reach its full potential. The weeds will definitely grow. And if you don't attend to them, they will come to dominate, they will smother, and they will strangle the good stuff. So, my conclusion. Remember, the key here is that we walk with the Spirit. It's about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's a verse from the book of Amos, I can't resist, Quoting, well, I'm taking it completely out of context, but hopefully you'll forgive me for that. This is Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3. And it's verse 3. It says this. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Well, I suppose it would be tricky, wouldn't it? <laughs> you have to be in the same place before you can walk with someone. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit always turns up. He always keeps the agreement. He will meet you. In fact, he never leaves. It's only us that wander off at times. Choose to walk with him. Each day, and it is each day, I encourage you to make good choices about how you're going to live your life. Put away the things that will hinder or trip you up. Not out of self-effort, by engaging with the Holy Spirit and asking him to help you. B, 
being really open and honest with him about the stuff that does trip you up and leaning into him for the help and the strength that you need. If you've got stuff going on in your life that you're really struggling to do that with, then find a person to walk alongside you in that as well. Somebody you can talk to about the struggles and challenges that you're facing. Somebody you trust. Somebody who can help. Because sometimes having the presence of the Holy Spirit made really tangible by hearing the voice of another person, by feeling the comforting arm of another person, can really, really help. And develop good spiritual practices to help you along the way. Let's do all that we can to help or to cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he seeks to produce his fruit in our lives. This fruit is amazing evidence of the eternal realms. And as the Holy Spirit produces it in our lives, we take it into our everyday worlds. People watch you, especially if they know that you're a Christian. That's not to be under a pressure. It's to say, Holy Spirit, I need that fruit evident in my life right now because this staff meeting or this queue at the supermarket, whoever it is, is really testing my patience just now. I'm finding it very difficult to be kind. But the Holy Spirit produces those things in our life. It's a good job, isn't it, really? It's a good job. Let's just pray a moment. Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell in each one of us. Thank you it's not a 20, 50, 80% thing, but you're in us. You're in us. Thank you that you're for us and that you want to produce your fruit in our lives. Just help us, Lord, with the day-to-day decisions that we make Help us to make good decisions so that we can walk with you, so that we can cooperate with you, so that you can produce your fruit in us fully and completely. Thank you, Lord. Amen.